Chapter One of the Joyous Story of Toto. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jude Summers. The Joyous Story of Toto by Laura E. Richards. Chapter One The Lonely Grandmother. Toto was a little boy, and his grandmother was an old woman. I have noticed that grandmothers are very apt to be old women. And this story is about both of them. Now, whether the story be true or not, you must decide for yourselves. And the child who finds this out will be wiser than I. Toto's grandmother lived in a little cottage far from any town, and just by the edge of a thick wood. And Toto lived with her, for his father and mother were dead and the old woman was the only relation he had in the world. The cottage was painted red, with white window casings, and little diamond-shaped panes of glass in the windows. Up the four walls grew a red rose, a yellow rose, a woodbine, and a clematis, and they all met together at the top, and fought and scratched for the possession of the top of the chimney, from which there was the finest view. So foolish are these vegetables. Inside the cottage there was a big kitchen, with a great open fireplace, in which a bright fire was always crackling, a floor scrubbed white and clean, a dresser with shiny copper and tin dishes on it, a table, a rocking chair for the grandmother, and a stool for Toto. There were two bedrooms and a storeroom, and perhaps another room, and there was a kitchen closet where the cookies lived. So now you know all about the inside of the cottage. Outside, there was a garden behind, and a bit of green in the front, and three big trees. And that is all there is to tell. As for Toto, he was a curly-haired fellow, with bright eyes and rosy cheeks, and a mouth that was always laughing. His grandmother was the best grandmother in the world, I have been given to understand though that is saying a great deal to be sure she was certainly a very good kind old body and she had pretty silver curls and pink cheeks as every grandmother should have there was only one trouble about her and that was a very serious one she was blind her blindness did not affect toto much for he had never known her when she was not blind and he supposed it was a peculiarity of grandmothers in general but to the poor old lady herself it was a great affliction, though she bore it, for the most part, very cheerfully. She was wonderfully clever and industrious, and her fingers seemed, in many ways, to see better than some people's eyes. She kept the cottage always as neat as a new pin. She was an excellent cook, too, and made the best gingerbread and cookies in the world. And she knit. Oh, how she did knit! stockings, mittens, and comforters, comforters, mittens, and stockings, all for Toto. Toto wore them out very fast, but he could not keep up with his grandmother's knitting. Clickety-click, clickety-clack, went the shining needles all through the long afternoons, when Toto was away in the wood. And nothing answered the needles, except the tea-kettle, which always did its best to make things cheerful. But even in her knitting there were often trials for the grandmother. Sometimes her ball rolled off her lap and away over the floor, 
and then the poor old lady had a hard time of it, groping around in all the corners. There never was a kitchen that had so many corners as hers, and knocking her head against the table and dresser. The kettle was always much troubled when anything of this sort happened. He puffed angrily and looked at the tongs. If I had legs, he said, I would make use of them, even if they were awkward and ungainly. But when a person is absolutely all head and legs, it is easy to understand that he should have no heart. The tongs never made any reply to these remarks, but stood stiff and straight and pretended not to hear. But the grandmother had other troubles besides dropping her ball. Toto was a very good boy, better, in fact, than most boys, and he loved his grandmother very much indeed. But he was forgetful, as every child is. Sometimes he forgot this, and sometimes that, and sometimes the other. For, you see, his heart was generally in the forest, and his head went to look after it, and that often made trouble. He always meant to get, before he went to the forest, everything that his grandmother could possibly want while he was away. Wood and water he never forgot, for he always brought those in before breakfast. But sometimes the brown potatoes sat waiting in the cellar closet, with their jackets all buttoned up, wondering why they were not taken out, as their brothers had been the day before, and put in a wonderful wicker cage, and carried off to see the great world and the yellow apples blushed with anger and a sense of neglect, while the red apples turned yellow with vexation. And sometimes, well, sometimes this sort of thing would happen. One day the old lady was going to make some gingerbread, for there was not a bit in the house, and Toto could not live without gingerbread. So she said, Toto, go to the cupboard and get me the ginger box and the soda. That's a good boy. Now, Toto was standing in the doorway when his grandmother spoke, and just at that moment he caught sight of a green lizard on a stone at a little distance. He wanted very much to catch that lizard, but he was an obedient boy and always did what Granny asked him to do. So he ran to the cupboard, still keeping one eye on the lizard outside, seized a box full of something yellow and a bag full of something white, and handed them to his grandmother. "'There, Granny,' he cried. "'That's ginger, and that's soda. "'Now, may I go? "'There's a lizard.' "'And he was off like a flash. "'Well, Granny made the gingerbread, "'and at tea-time in came Master Toto, "'quite out of breath, "'having chased the lizard about twenty-five miles, "'so he said, and he ought to know, "'and hungry as a hunter. "'He sat down and ate his bread and milk first, "'like a good boy.' and then he pounced upon the gingerbread and took a huge bite out of it oh oh what a dreadful face he made he gave a wild howl and jumping up from the table danced up and down the room crying oh what nasty stuff oh granny how could you make such horrid gingerbread Brr, oh dear i have never 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 tasted anything so horrid the poor old lady was quite aghast "'My dear boy,' she said, "'I made it just as usual. "'You must be mistaken. "'Let me—' "'And then she tasted the gingerbread. "'Well, she did not get up and dance, "'but she came very near to it. "'What does this mean?' she cried. "'I made it just as usual. "'What can it be?' "'Ah!' she added, 
a new thought striking her. "'Toto, bring me the ginger and the soda. Bring just what you brought me this afternoon. Quick, don't bother to examine the boxes. Just bring the same ones.' Toto, wondering, brought the box full of something yellow and the bag full of something white. His grandmother tasted the contents of both, and then she leaned back in her chair and laughed heartily. "'My dear little boy,' she said, "'you think I am a very good cook, and I myself think I am not a bad one, but I certainly cannot make good gingerbread with mustard and salt instead of ginger and soda.' Toto thought there were some disadvantages about being blind after all. And after that, his grandmother always tasted the ingredients before she began to cook. Now, it happened one day that the grandmother was sitting in the sun before the cottage door, knitting. And as she knitted, from time to time, she heaved a deep sigh. And one of those sighs is the reason why this story is written. For if the grandmother had not sighed, and Toto had not heard her, none of the funny things that I am going to tell you would have happened. Moral, always sigh when you want a story written. Toto was just coming home from the wood, where he had been spending the afternoon, as usual. As he came round the corner of the cottage, he heard his grandmother sigh deeply, as if she were very sad about something. And this troubled Toto for he was an affectionate little boy, and loved his grandmother dearly. "'Why, Granny!' he cried, running up to her and throwing his arms around her neck. "'Dear Granny, why do you sigh so? What is the matter? Are you ill?' The grandmother shook her head and wiped a tear from her sightless eyes. "'No, dear little boy,' she said. "'No, I am not ill, but I am very lonely. It's a solitary life here.' though you are too young to feel it, Toto, and I am very glad of that. But I do wish, sometimes, that I had someone to talk to, who could tell me what was going on in the world. It is a long time since anyone has been here. The traveling peddler comes only once a year, and the last time he came he had a toothache, so that he could not talk. Ah, deary me, it is a solitary life and the grandmother shook her head again and went on with her knitting. Toto had listened to this with his eyes very wide open and his mouth very tight shut, and when his grandmother had finished speaking, he went and sat down on a stone at a little distance and began to think very hard. His grandmother was lonely. The thought had never occurred to him before. It had always seemed as natural for her to stay at home and knit and make cookies as for him to go to the wood. He supposed all grandmothers did so. He wondered how it felt to be lonely. He thought it must be very unpleasant. He was never lonely in the wood. But then, he said to himself, I have all my friends in the wood, and Granny has none. Very likely, if I had no friends, I should be lonely too. I wonder what I can do about it. Then suddenly a bright idea struck him. Why, he thought, why should not my friends be Granny's friends, too? They are very amusing, I am sure. Why should I not bring them to see Granny and let them talk to her? She couldn't be lonely then. I'll go and see them this minute and tell them all about it. I'm sure they will come. Full of his new idea, 
the boy sprang to his feet and ran off in the direction of the wood. The grandmother called to him, Toto, Toto, where are you going? But he did not hear her. The good woman shook her head and went on with her knitting. Let the dear child amuse himself as much as he can now. There's little enough amusement in life. But Toto was not thinking of his own amusement this time. He ran straight to the wood and entered it, threading his way quickly among the trees, as if he knew every step of the way, which indeed he did. At length, after going some way, he reached an open space with trees all around it. Such a pretty place! The ground was carpeted with softest moss, into which the boy's feet sunk so deep that they were almost covered. And all over the moss were sprinkled little star-shaped pink flowers. The trees stood back a little from this pretty place, as I said, but their long branches met overhead, as they bent over to look down into, what do you think, the loveliest little pool of water that ever was seen, I verily believe. A tiny pool, as round as if a huge giant had punched a hole for it with the end of his umbrella or walking stick, and as clear as crystal. The edge of the pool was covered all round with plants and flowers, which seemed to be all trying to get a peep into the clear brown water. I have heard that these flowers growing round the pool had become excessively vain through looking so constantly at their own reflection, and that they gave themselves insufferable airs in consequence. But as this was only said by the flowers which did not grow near the pool, perhaps it was a slight exaggeration. They were certainly very pretty flowers, and I never wondered at their wanting to look at themselves. You see, I have been in the wood and know all about it. It was in this pretty place that Toto stopped. He sat down on a great cushion of moss near the pool and began to whistle. Presently, he heard a rustling in the treetops above his head. He stopped whistling and looked up expectantly. A beechnut fell plump on his nose, and he saw the sharp black eyes of a gray squirrel peering at him through the leaves. "'Hello, Toto,' said the squirrel. "'Back again already? What's the matter?' "'Come down here, and I'll tell you,' said Toto. The squirrel took a flying leap and alighted on Toto's shoulder. At the same moment a louder rustling was heard among the bushes this time, a sound of cracking and snapping twigs, and presently a huge black bear poked his nose out of the bushes and sniffed inquiringly. "'What's up?' he asked. "'I thought you fellows had gone home for the night, and I was just taking a nap.' "'So we had,' said Toto. "'But I came back because I had something important to say. I want to see you all on business. Where are the others?' "'Coon will be here in a minute,' answered the bear. "'He stopped to eat the woodchuck's supper. "'Chucky was so sound asleep "'it seemed a pity to miss such an opportunity. "'The birds have all flown away except the wood pigeon, "'and she told me she would come as soon as she fed her young ones. "'What's your business, Toto?' "'And Bruin sat down in a very comfortable attitude "'and prepared to listen. "'Well,' said Toto, "'It's about my grandmother. "'You see, she—oh, here's Coon. "'I'll wait for him.' "'As he spoke, a large raccoon came out into the little dell. "'He was very handsome, with a most beautiful tail, "'but he looked sly and lazy. 
he winked at Toto, by way of a greeting, and sat down by the pool, curling his tail around his legs, and then looking into the water, to see if the effect was good. At the same moment, a pretty wood pigeon fluttered down with a soft coo and settled on Toto's other shoulder. Now then, said the squirrel, flicking the boy's nose with his tail, go on and tell us all about it. So Toto began again. My grandmother, you see, she is blind, and she's alone most of the time when I'm out here playing with all of you, and it makes her lonely. Lonely? What's that? asked the raccoon. I know what it is, said the bear. It's when there aren't any blueberries, and you've hurt your paw so that you can't climb. It's a horrid feeling. Isn't that it, Toto? Mm, no, not exactly, said Toto, for my grandmother never climbs trees anyhow. She hasn't anybody to talk to or listen to. Nobody comes to see her, and she doesn't know what's going on in the world. That's what she means by lonely. Humph, said the raccoon, waving his tail thoughtfully. Why don't you both come and live in the wood? She couldn't be lonely here, you know, and it would be very convenient for us all. I know a nice hollow tree that I could get for you not far from here. A wildcat lives in it now, but if your grandmother doesn't like wildcats, the bear can easily drive him away. He's a disagreeable fellow, and we shall be glad to get rid of him and have a pleasanter neighbor. Does, uh, does your grandmother scratch? No, certainly not, said Toto indignantly. She is the best grandmother in the world. She never scratched anybody in her life, I am sure. Uh, no offense, no offense, said the raccoon. My grandmother scratched, and I thought yours might. Most of them do, in my experience. Besides, Toto said, she wouldn't like at all to live in a hollow tree. She is not used to that way of living, you see. Now I have a plan, and I want all of you to help me in it. In the morning, Granny is busy so she has not time to be lonely. It's only in the afternoon when she sits still and knits. So I say, why shouldn't you all come over to the cottage in the afternoon and talk to Granny instead of talking here to each other? I don't mean every afternoon, of course, but two or three times a week. She would enjoy the stories and things as much as I do, and she would give you gingerbread. I'm sure she would, and perhaps jam, too, if you were very good. "'What's gingerbread?' asked the bear. "'And what's jam? You do use such queer words sometimes, Toto.' "'Gingerbread?' said Toto. "'Oh, it's—well, it's—why, it's gingerbread, you know. You don't have anything exactly like it, so I can't exactly tell you. But there's molasses in it, and ginger, and—and things. It's good, anyhow, very good.' And jam, well, jam is sweet, something like honey, only better. You will like it, I know, Bruin. Well, what do you all say? Will you come and try it? The bear looked at the raccoon. The raccoon looked at the squirrel. The squirrel looked at the wood pigeon. The pretty gentle bird had not spoken before. But now, seeing all the other members of the party undecided, she answered quietly and softly. Yes, Toto, I will come, and I am sure the others will, for they are all good creatures. You are a dear boy, and we shall all be glad to give pleasure to you 
or your grandmother. The other creatures all nodded approval to the wood pigeon's little speech, and Toto gave a sigh of relief and satisfaction. That is settled then, he said. Thank you, dear pigeon, and thank you all. Now, when will you come? Tomorrow afternoon? The sooner the better, I think. The raccoon looked critically at his reflection in the water. Chucky bit my ear yesterday, he said, and it doesn't look very well for making visits. Suppose we wait till it is healed over. Nothing like making a good impression at first, you know. Nonsense, Coon, growled the bear. You are always thinking about your looks. I never saw such a fellow. Let us go tomorrow, if we are going. Besides, said Toto, laughing, Granny is blind, and will not know whether you have any ears or not, Master Coon. So I shall expect you all tomorrow. Good-bye, all, and thank you very much. And away ran Toto, and away went all the rest, to get their respective suppers. End of chapter 1